This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. We're so excited to introduce you to Great Jones. Great Jones makes high-quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that's so stunning, you won't want to put it away. They have everything from Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to non-stick sheet pans. They've got everything you want. I have the Saucy, which is a terrific saucepan. It has curved sides. It has a pouring spout. It has a lid. And it looks so elegant. It's really a pleasure just to look at it on the counter, even before we're using it. Yes, I love all the colors. Yeah. They make stunning gifts that are actually useful. Weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays. It's the perfect gift for the foodie in your life. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code HAPPIER. That's greatjones.com, promo code HAPPIER. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about making life happier. This week, we'll talk about why it's often easier to do something every day than to do it some days, and how to handle your annoyance if someone you know is chronically late. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, who I will get to see in person very soon. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And that's right, Gretch. I'll see you soon in Seattle at our live event, which is Thursday, October 13th at 7.30 at Town Hall. We're very excited, and people can go to slate.com slash live for more information and to get tickets. Also, in episode 76, we talked about why it was fun to write a manifesto, and we have seen such great manifestos from listeners. So if you're coming and you have a manifesto, we would love to see it. And maybe you can come up on stage with us and we'll talk about your manifesto. It can be about anything you want, work, marriage, parenting, life, exercise, whatever it is, we want to see your manifesto. And Gretch, you and I are going to share our own manifestos about a topic yet to be revealed. So that'll be fun too. (laughs) Yes, the suspense is mounting. And speaking of previous episodes, in our very special episode 80, we talked about the five love languages. And um, during the course of that conversation, Elizabeth and I both made the comment that um, we were words of affirmation. And it seemed to us that, like, that's a very easy love language for other people to speak because it's so easy to give words of affirmation. And several listeners have contacted us to say, well, we think words of affirmation are easy because that's our language, which is exactly Gary Chapman's point, which is that people tend to speak their own language and be mystified why other people don't do it. Um, and uh, and so we fell right into that, tra- <laughs> that trap. We sure did. Um, Julia put it nicely. She said, 
As someone who isn't a words of affirmation person, I wanted to chime in on why it might be hard for some to give those words. It's very hard and uncomfortable. I realize now that my husband craves words of affirmation, but mine don't come out sounding sincere. I love the idea of writing a note instead. Maybe that feels more comfortable for those who struggle with verbal comments. I would rather make toast than say, you did a great job any day of the week. (laughs) Um, and then uh, this is just hilarious. Nancy sent in this poem about her quest to identify her love language. Um, it's, it's very Dr. Susie. Um, so Nancy writes, which love language holds the key? Which one is the best for me? Gifts? Ho-hum, I have enough. Quality time? Ah, uh, scheduling's tough. Gold stars for Gretchen and Elizabeth, too. They're not for me, though they work for you. Acts of service? Not so much. What I love is a tender touch. Hmm, so great. <laughs> I know, Thank that you, kind of, Nancy. Yes, yes. That really uh, kind of sums it up nicely. Um, and Alyssa, this week our Try This at Home tip is to do something every day. Yes. Yeah, so I assume this is probably relating to habits or some unpleasant task. Yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. Because the weird thing is, is that it's often easier to do something every day than to do it some days. Um, And partly this is because when you're forming a habit, the more consistently you do something, the quicker it goes into autopilot. So if you always get up in the morning and brush your teeth first thing, then it quickly becomes something that's just a background activity. You're not thinking about it. You're not debating about it. In the same way, if Every single day when you got up, you went for a walk around your neighborhood for 20 minutes and then came home and read the paper. Doing that every day, just it just feels like what you do every day. If you do it some days, it always sort of feels like this extra burden that's been placed on your on your day. Yeah, I guess that's when it starts getting into the negotiating, right? Like, well, maybe <laughs> I won't do it today. Instead, I'll do it tomorrow because tomorrow I'll have more sleep because I'm going to go to bed earlier tonight than I did last <laughs> night. Yes, Definitely yes. been down those roads. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's like, oh, I've been so good. I've, I've walked, I walked two days already this week, so I think I deserve a day off. Oh, it's raining today. But if you just do it every day, it just becomes something that um, you don't make decisions. You're not using self-control. It's just something that you do repeatedly. And because it doesn't feel like an extra, then you don't start feeling resentful or put upon for the fact that you're doing it because it's just something that you do. You just do it every day. Yeah, you know, something I need to do every day, and I have a feeling I'm not alone in this, although we should all do it every day, is flossing. Like, I definitely need to floss every single day. Of course, the dentist always says that anyway, but um, I've always seen it as maybe a not everyday activity. But I've realized that, like, definitely if I do it every day, I'm more likely to keep doing it than if I don't. That makes sense. Well, we should. There has been a lot of uh, chatter in the news lately because there's now some question about the evidence for flossing. So I will just acknowledge that we recognize that this is now like under debate. Um, But mom went to the dentist and she told me that her dentist is absolutely pro flossing. And I'm going to the dentist in a couple of weeks and I'm going to ask my dentist how he feels about flossing. But um, Uh, but to your point, that just defies logic. (laughs) 
But so the thing about flossing, that, that just beyond flossing, but just sort of the illustration, is that often, too, when you do something every day, that starts to feel right. And so it's sort of a self-reinforcing mm. thing. Like if you're used to the way your mouth feels when you floss regularly, then you kind of feel uncomfortable when you don't floss. And so that also in, uh, enhances it in the same way. Like I always get up at 6 a.m., and yeah. if you always get up at the same time every day, it gets easier and easier and easier. So a lot of times also doing something every day, you adjust to it in a way that helps you stick to that habit as well. If you do something some days or most days, it never really settles in that way. And so you don't notice the absence of it in that uncomfortable way. Now, I will say, Gretch, the problem with this is like takes getting up at 6 a.m. A lot of people don't want to get up at 6 a.m. every day. Like they want <laughs> on the weekends to sleep in and to feel like that's a special time. You know, yeah. it feels like it's just taking a lot of fun away to be like, well, I have to get up at 6 a.m. every day. Right. Um, well, I think you can also have things like I'm going to do this every work day. You know, so then ah. it's like a habit that's every workday, but then it's day off. And I, yeah, and for me, getting up at 6 a.m., that's a pleasure. Like, I actually like getting up at 6 a.m., but um, yes, you're right. Like, sometimes people feel like the idea that you would do something every day just feels like kind of a killjoy um, yeah. <laughs> attitude to life. So, so I like that idea that you could say you can distinguish I'll do something every workday. That way it feels like you have at least some little break. Or you could say, like, I'll do something every weekend day, like, oh, I'll hike every weekend day. Yes. So every yes. Saturday and Sunday you hike. Right. Or if I'm at home, I do this. But then if I'm traveling, then I don't expect myself to do that habit. Um, and another reason to do same things every day is because for some kinds of tasks, they stay smaller and more manageable if you do them every day. Like, you know, we've talked about keeping a one-sentence journal because I have my little mm -hmm. happiness project one-sentence journal that I have. And... um and a lot of people find that if you just say, I'm going to write one sentence every day, that feels manageable. But if you're like, every once in a while, I'm going to sit down and write my journal, then you're like, oh, my gosh, I have to write pages. It feels it feels onerous. Or like people do inbox zero to like try to zero out their inbox every single day on the theory that then it's manageable because, you know, it's one that day. Blows, <laughs> that blows my mind. I have, I think, 26,000 unread emails. <laughs> And sometimes I go to the phrase, I'm like, I'm just every day I'm going to get rid of 100 emails and someday I'll get to zero. And it just, it's, it's I mean, a, yeah. it, it is a, a task that is just beyond me. I'm like, how many unread emails am I going to have when I die? I well, maybe, that. So, but maybe you should, you should, uh, you know, have you heard of email bankruptcy? Which is when people just zero out everything. They just take it to zero, and they're like, "If it's somebody's, if it's important, they'll email me again." Oh my god, it's dramatic. I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can do neither inbox zero nor email bankruptcy. Um, but they are things that have worked for others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so let us know if you tried this at home and if you've tried doing something every day instead of some days or most days, and whether that made it easier for you. Twitter, Facebook, drop us an email at podcast at .com. Um, Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode at happiercast.com slash 84. This is episode 84 for any images or links or anything we're talking about in this episode if you want to follow up later. 
The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com Gretchen. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So, Elizabeth, this week we got a great happiness hack from a listener, Daphne. Yes, she says, keeping a garbage bag in the car. I hate when I or one of the kids has trash and nowhere to put it, which means it just ends up on the floor. Knowing the bag is there gives me this odd sense of calm. And I thought this was a great idea because, you know, yes, Jack and I both generate a lot of trash in my car. (laughs) And it would be so good to have just a trash bag and keep it under control. And then you can just take in the trash bag when it's full. And it doesn't have to be like a big trash bag. It can just be like a little plastic bag. Yeah, yeah. But I think this is a great example of sometimes the best hacks are the ones that are so obvious that you're like, does this even qualify as a hack? Because just like keeping a plastic bag from the drugstore in your car and sticking the trash in it, like, does that even rise to the level of being a hack? But then you do something like that and your whole world is transformed. Yes. (laughs) Right. It does. And you feel your outer order, inner calm. Yeah. You know, that applies to the car as well. Right. And then if your friend, you're like, oh, I'll give you a ride, then you can just like quickly dump the tr- the, the thing in the back seat and you don't yes. have that whole, um, when people are, you know, like frantically rifling oh. through their car. Oh, <laughs> I live in fear of someone, you know, that I respect at all, like <laughs> glimpsing into my car. Um, so a lot of times Adam just silently takes things out of my car, just not commenting, just, just sad. Acts of service. Yes, that is an act of service. That's a lovely act of service. All right. 
Thank you, Daphne, for that happiness hack. We will, I'll be doing that. Gretch, you don't drive, but, so it doesn't really apply to you in New York City, but uh, it's good for us in L.A. I'll get a vicarious buzz from your clean car. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, Gretch, it is time for a stumbling block. We're calling this stumbling block the China syndrome. It's the feeling that you'll automatically become a grown-up and we got the title because it's like when you get nice China, when you get married, you feel like, oh, somehow now that I have this China, I'm going to be, you know, having dinner parties for 12 with like a four course meal and all these place settings. Um, so it's sort of like thinking these rites of passage will somehow make us into adults, right? Yeah, I mean, and I suffer from this very much because I do. I mean, I absolutely have China syndrome. One of my one of my resolutions for the next month is to like get over my fear of my China and to actually use it. So I make that vow publicly <laughs> now. I will use my China. Um, After twenty years, <laughs> have you had it? <laughs> more than twenty one. More than twenty. Years. I have. I have kitchen. I have like serving stuff that I don't even know what it's for. I'm like, I need to like somehow look this up online. Mm. Like, what is this thing for? Like weird spoons of odd shapes. But um, yeah, and you think like, oh, once I'm a grown up, I will automatically know what this odd shaped spoon is for because grown ups know these things, right? And and also sometimes what what I find too is that I'll feel like I will just automatically transform that that I will be I will grow into it without any effort. And that is somehow it's all just going to happen in the future, even though I'm so grown up already. I mean, I'm quite grown up. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. But the the truth is, like, nothing actually happens to like that that we associate with being grown up unless you do it. Yes. It's not like, oh, yeah, you just reach a certain age and suddenly, you know, you know how much to tip, <laughs> uh, you know, at a hotel. Right. Yeah. And I, I guess because when you're younger, you do sort of you mature and you learn things as you go. But then as an adult. And I think the, the reason that it's a happiness stumbling block is that it creates this sense of suspension or or limbo where you think, well, you know, eventually I'm going to understand how mortgages work and how insurance works. And, and like, oh, and and I have this feeling about my kids like, oh, you know, we're going to grow into really good table manners, mm. me and my daughters, you know, just like that will come. That w with time, that will become acquired just as part of the growing up process. Um, no, that's not the case. Yeah, you know, I realize a big area of this for me is the whole house renovation thing. I think, you know, I resisted it for years. I didn't want yeah. to deal with it. I was against it. And I think it's because in my mind, I was just like, well... By the time I, you know, turn a certain age, I mean, it will be done because it has yes. to be. I can't be like yes. 45 and living in a house that like only has, you know, mismatched furniture, and, <laughs> you know, art on the walls, you know. But yeah. fine, when I finally accepted, which Adam had kept telling me for years, like, we have to do this and now we're doing it and well, one, it is great. And two, I, I will say I do feel more grown up having a more, you know, done house. Right. Because it doesn't feel as provisional. Like, oh, here's just this furniture that yeah. we inherited from, you know, someone, you know, my brother or whatever. Um, I felt this way about hair twisting because I'm, as you, Elizabeth, you know, mm -hmm. um, I'm like a really committed, deeply committed hair twister. I've t twisted my whole life. And sort of subconsciously, I thought, well, sometime I'll outgrow it. Like kids outgrow sucking their thumb or mm. carrying around their, their mm -hmm. teddy bear. And like at some point, I'll just outgrow hair twisting. And I really had to face the fact at some point, which was I am a hair twister. 
And if I want to stop, I have to stop or I have to stop imagining that I will stop at some point because I'm not going to. And I just accepted the fact that I twist my hair. Did you stop? No. Or did you no, just I, decide you twist it? I never thought it was that big of a deal. <laughs> well, I think some people find it very, very distracting. Um, and uh, and I try not to do it when I'm like in a meeting or something. Or, right. You know, uh, but, uh, but I definitely do it when I'm, when I'm reading or I'm on the computer or something like that. I'll twist my hair. Fair enough. But it was this idea of like, oh, well, it's the China syndrome. This will, ha- as an adult, you know, what adult like stands there twisting their hair like an airplane propeller? You know, I'm right. like, well, turns out some do. Um, if I want to change, I have to make a change. It's not going to just change with time. The other area in my life this very much applies to is clothes. I mean, I always feel like, well, you know, at a certain point, I'll just dress nicely every day because that's what adults <laughs> do. And it'll just be a natural thing where I'll go in the closet and put on nice pants and a nice shirt, nice shoes. And yet I find myself wearing sweatpants to work every day to the point that if I have to like go to a meeting, I bring clothes to change into because I just can't bear it. Um, so I don't know when this magical transformation is happening. And listen, I'm exactly the same way. We are like two peas in a pod on this. Like I'm wearing yoga pants 24-7. Yeah, so Trunk Club is trying to help us, but we'll, we'll see how that, <laughs> if we can follow through. We can up our game. We can do it. We can do it. Yeah. But we have to want to do it. We have to make the change. Yes. Uh, and I'm also putting in a gas line um, outside, Gretch, for like a grill in our backyard. And again, I feel like, oh, is there some magical thing that's going to happen where Adam turns into a guy who grills? Because he's at that age. He should be grilling, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Don't all, don't all grownups love to grill? Like, isn't that something that just happens? Right. Exactly. So I'm going to have to report back on that, like, next summer and see how our grilling is going. We're putting in the tools. So it, <laughs> it, we'll see if it happens. And so I guess like, when you're thinking about, like, okay, this, this, this stumbling block of the China syndrome it seems like the answer is either to accept yourself or expect more from yourself. So you either have to accept the fact that you're a hair twister and that's just who you are and it's not going to change if you don't try to change it or expect more from yourself, which would be something like, I'm going to stop twisting my hair or I'm going to really make a point of grilling, uh, you know, Come what may, I'm deeply committed to grilling and I'm going to just get myself to do it. You know, you either have to accept yourself or expect more from yourself um, because it's not going to just happen automatically. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's like living in this sort of suspended place where you you feel like something's going to happen in the future. You feel uneasy about it because it's not the case, but, you know, you're not willing to accept where you are. I think that's... Um, I think that does give a feeling of anxiety. Yeah, yeah, or that you're just not where you're meant to be somehow. And the thing is, we don't, you know, this is all about being a grown-up, and you don't have to accept someone else's definition of what it means to be a grown-up. Like, there's all different kinds of ways to be a grown-up, but the fact is, if we, we're happier when we're grown-up um, in our own eyes, you know, when we yes. know the truth, acknowledge the truth about ourselves and, and, uh, and what we want our lives to be, whether we want the renovated house or we want, you know, to use that China instead of just <laughs> sitting on the shelf year after year after year. Yeah. So curious to hear if any of our listeners suffer from the China syndrome, Gretchen, <laughs> and what the things are in their lives that trigger that feeling, you know? Yeah. 
Um, yeah. You can be a mom of six and still not feel grown up. Yeah. Goodness knows. So uh, <laughs> let us know if, if you're suffering from the China syndrome. <laughs> we want to we hear from you. Yeah. And now, listener question. Um, as always, you can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336 or easier to remember 77-HAPPY-336 or uh, email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Um, and this week, we got a voicemail, right, Elizabeth? Yes, from Jessica. Hi, Gretchen. Hi, Liz. This is Jessica calling from Memphis, Tennessee. I have a happiness stumbling block that I'm struggling with. My dear, dear friend is always late. I'm calling you as I'm waiting for her to arrive at my house so that we can carpool to an event. And looking at the clock, she's about 12 minutes late now. And I think she'll be at least 15 minutes more. I don't know what to do because this is a chronic problem. And it's damaging our friendship and it deters me from wanting to make plans with her. She's always late. Help. So, Gretch, we've talked about what to do to be on time for those people who are, you know, challenged by being punctual, <laughs> um, such as my husband. But um, <laughs> we didn't really talk about what to do if you're the person who's waiting. So this is interesting. Right, because this isn't about handling the getting places on time. It's about how do you manage your emotions about the fact that someone else is chronically late. Yeah, because I think we can both um, sort of say that you're probably not going to change the other person. They have to decide if they want to be on time or not. So it's not healthy to go down the road of trying to nag someone into being on time. Well, so Elizabeth, here's a question. You know, one of the things you can do is plan for it. Like, you know that this person's chronically late. And so that you could do things like tell them that they're supposed to be there a half an hour earlier than you're expecting them. Now, some people think that's manipulative. Do you think do you think that's acceptable or not? Like to give them a fake time? <laughs> I think it's absolutely acceptable being someone who has employed that strategy myself. Because look, for them, that is the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Like, because they'll still be late and then they'll, you know, potentially be on time. So if I say we're leaving at 2.30, I know we're not going to leave till 3. But if I didn't say that, we wouldn't leave till 3.30. So um, I think that's a good strategy. I also think like right here, Jessica has set herself up for trouble by waiting <laughs> for her friend to arrive at her house so they can carpool to an event. Yeah, She knows that where that's going to end up when she planned that. She yeah. just shouldn't have planned that. Right. 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 Like, so don't plan. A, if there's a movie you really want to see, don't go with the don't make plans to to meet there before right before it starts with somebody, you know, is chronically late. Or maybe you say something like, well, I'm happy to do it. But you, but like you will we'll, you come to my house. And so if you're a half an hour late, I can just be going about my business. And there's at a time when there's no time pressure so that you're not sitting there frustrated going to be late yourself to something you want to be on time for or feeling like your time is wasted because here I am sitting in this coffee shop with nothing to do. Like figure it out so that it doesn't bother you if they're late because you know they're going to be late. Yeah. I mean, it's like if it's something where, you know, it starts at a certain time, that's one issue and that's where the whole manipulation comes in. But if it's time isn't an issue, I would say bring a book or plan to do emails because you could, yes, you might feel resentful. Why should I have to bring a book and plan for them to be late? But the, if that's who this person is and you value them, 
maybe you can just reframe it as not that big of a deal that you have to sit there and read for 25 minutes while you wait, as long as there's no time pressure. Right. Now, like Jamie and I are friends with some people who are always late and we're like, well, they're just always late. So it's just like that's just part of what we know is true about them. But here's the thing that's interesting about a lot of people who are chronically late. They don't think they're chronically late. This is very puzzling to me because there are people that I know who are always, always late. But if you say, well, you know, you're always late, just kind of like, you know, matter of factly, they're completely astonished and deny, you know, they think. How can you say that? I'm not always late. And you're like, wait a minute. You, Yes, you are. Yeah. So I think some people are self-aware about that and some people aren't. Yeah. And this isn't to say, by the way, that you can't try to change someone. You know, you can always try. <laughs> but as we all know, the only person we can usually change is ourselves. So yeah. if if you value this friendship, I think you just have to kind of manage your own anger. Because the other thing you don't want to do is sit there steamy yes. and then it ruins the the outing. Right. And that's, again, it's like if that's just part of who this person is, then to just accept it and figure out a way so that it doesn't make you crazy or doesn't make inconvenient to you in a way. And I think, you know, one of the things about late people, someone pointed this out to me, is that late people often aren't aware of how frustrating it is for people to wait because as soon as they arrive someplace, things begin. Right. Like they are not in that that place of suspended, um, you know, like waiting, pacing, feeling that impatience. So it, to them, it's not they don't maybe aren't aware of how someone else might be feeling because they just don't experience it as much. Whereas like I'm pathologically early, so I'm constantly waiting. I never am any place without a book or all this stuff because I will frequently show up. Um, even when I try not to, right. I show up early. Right. <laughs> we were definitely taught punctuality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and somebody actually interesting had pointed out when we talked about it before that some people have social anxiety. And so maybe they don't they're trying to be late because they don't want to manage the like that being early could make them anxious. So that's another thing to keep in mind that somebody could be dealing with situations or circumstances or s mental states mm. that you're not aware mm -hmm. of. And so maybe to just try to cut them slack and, and not just say like, well, it's because they're being disrespectful. But maybe there's other stuff going on that you're not aware of. And so it's always good to cut people slack. That is true. Interesting question. Thank you very much for that. Yes. It's like a new angle on the uh, on the punctuality debate. Yes. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. As your kids get older, some things about parenting get easier. They can dress themselves. They can clean up after themselves, allegedly. Other things don't, like having conversations about money. The fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money unless they're actually in charge of it. That's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Yeah, Jack has green light. And one thing I love is that it includes a chores feature where you can set up one time or recurring chores and reward kids with allowance for a job well done. Gretchen, we used to mow the lawn. How much more motivated would we have been if we'd had funds deposited when we completed the hut chore? Mm -hmm. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash happier. That's greenlight.com slash happier to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash happier. All right, Gretchen, you are up with a happiness to merit this week. So this is a demerit that um, is kind of a widespread demerit behavior that I do, and it and it happened very recently. Um, 
which made me think of it. So one of the bad, bad happiness habits that I have is that I will frequently rehearse angry conversations in my head, like something's annoying me or bothering me or making me angry. And I will rehearse it at great length. I'll say this, you'll say that. I'll say this, you'll say that. I'll say that. And then I'll make this brilliant rejoinder, this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and the problem with this is, first of all, in the moment, it gets me all worked up in, mo- in this an emotional state unnecessarily because I'm not having this conversation. So it's ne- it's a negative in the moment. And also the the problem is is then these th- then I have these templates and so then when I'm in the moment I often will just like run through the conversation that I've already carefully planned out like a member of the debate mm. team you know who's like prepared uh-huh, uh-huh. even if it's not quite appropriate and so often I feel like I respond too much like too I'm over responding because I'm not think I'm not responding in the moment. But I'm just mm, escalating. Yes, I'm escalating because I'm just launching into this pre-rehearsed angry discourse that I've prepared in my head. And this came up recently because, um, so I'm the one who gets up every morning and takes Barnaby out for his morning walk, which is fine with me because I like getting up at 6 a.m. anyway. And so I get up at 6 a.m. and I go to get Barnaby. He sleeps in a crate, which he loves. He loves his crate. And he'd thrown up. Mm. So I'm like, oh, no, he threw up. So it's so um, I get him, I scoop him up and race to the elevator and go downstairs, you know, go outside to take him outside and, you know, I, like, I will skip over that part. Mm-hmm. And so I come back and I clean up his crate. And um, and I know that the vet opens at 9 a.m. It's because this is a weekend. Fortunately, it was a weekend day, uh, Saturday. And so I was like, well, I think Jamie should have to take Barnaby to the vet. Yeah, he should have to take Barnaby <laughs> to the vet. I think Barnaby, you know, and I got all worked up. About, These are my reasons. And you've got to do this and blah, 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 blah. And so I go in, I march into the room like um, when when Jamie's awake and I'm like, Barnaby was sick, and you need to take him to the vet today. And Jamie's like, okay, what? do you know what time they open? He was completely, he did not, he did you know, and I just felt deflated because I was so fired up, and I realized, why had I prepared all this? He was such a good sport about it. I should have, yeah. <laughs> like, assumed the best or at least assumed neutral. And, uh, you know, good thing he didn't push back even the tiniest bit because I would have just, like, unleashed this 30-minute, <laughs> right. you know. And so I thought, like, I really want to try to help myself notice when I'm beginning to rehearse these angry conversations and stop because I really don't think – I think they're bad in the moment and they're bad as they play out later. So um, lesson learned. And um, Barnaby is now fine. He's totally back on his feet. That's a good lesson. Um, I bet a lot of people do that. I, I know I yeah. do it occasionally. I don't know if I do it as often as you, but I for sure have had some conversations in my head that, you know, were not pleasant. Yeah, yeah. Um, But now to think about something pleasant, Elizabeth, what is your gold star for the week? My gold star goes to my friend, Corrine. I've mentioned her before on the podcast. Um, So over Labor Day, um, a little while back, we went away with Corrine and her husband, Bob, and their son and, you know, our, you know, our family. Uh, We rented a house in um, a beach town in um, near Los Angeles. And I'm giving Corrine the gold star because she did a ton of research and spent a ton of time to find us the perfect house. And it was a total pain because she kept trying to get houses and they weren't available. And and then she'd have to find another house. And it was, 
you know, it's just very time consuming. And the rest of us were just total slackers and did nothing. (laughs) And she really did it without complaining, without being bitter or resentful that she was the (laughs) one doing this research. And the thing is, she found such a great house. And it was such a nice weekend. We really didn't take a big trip, you know, this year because Adam and I were both working over the summer. So it was really nice to have this really great weekend away. Um, and our boys are great friends. So they got to play the whole weekend and we had privacy and they could just run around and we were by the beach and it was just a perfect place. And if she hadn't done that, we just wouldn't have yeah. gone. It just wouldn't have happened. It's again, it's not like somehow magically there would have been a house to go to. We just right. would have been like at home sitting on the couch on Labor Day. So um, <laughs> and it really was a restorative, wonderful weekend and a beautiful place. So uh, big gold star to Kareen for just dealing with it. <laughs> uh, that's such a great gold star. I love it when somebody does something that then allows this whole thing to happen. You had a wonderful weekend, um, but she played the critical role in helping that to come about. Yeah. And I can give another gold star, by the way, to her husband, Bob, because he did a lot of cooking for us. And that was amazing. <laughs> Even a sandwich tastes great when Bob makes it. So um, it was a great weekend. Excellent. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Do something every day and let us know, did that help? Did doing something every day work for you? Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. As always, if you like this show, it really helps us if you tell a friend and if you rate and review and subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you'd like to get an email update every time we have a new episode, if you'd like to get that stuff by email, you can sign up at happiercast.com slash join. We hope to see you in Seattle on October 13th. Please come bring your friends. And if you know you're coming, send in your manifesto. It can be about life, work, marriage, parenting, exercise, whatever you want. But we really want to see those. Send them to podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.